the story of two dental hygienists from opposite sides of the world who became friends because they realized their professional lives were so in sync. One in Australia and one in America, both exuding their high passion for high-level patient care, both pushing back on legacy dentistry. If you are ready to revolutionize the practice of dental hygiene through science and innovation, join us as we are Disrupting Dentistry. So welcome back to 2024 to all of our listeners today. And I'm really excited to have someone that's actually just down the street from me, but we're online um, as a guest tonight. So welcome everyone as we speak to Tanya Deacon, a fellow dental hygienist from Australia. So hi, Tanya. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on the program. So I'm really excited to have Tanya. And what we're going to talk a little bit about, about with her today is how she wrote a book and how it's been published and it's now out for distribution. And we'll talk a little bit about that process. But the first thing is, Tanya, I'd love to ask you, and we ask all our guests this, you've graduated high school. How did you find your way to dental? Ah, well, it's a bit of a strange story. I've got a bit of an unusual background. So I finished high school, as you said, and then I actually went into veterinary nursing and spent almost 10 years doing that. And then I decided I wanted to go to uni, but I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. My boss at the time, his wife, um, had suggested the hygiene program um, and his sister was actually um, one of the uh, contributors to the curriculum. Oh, wow. And so I thought, well, look, that sounds interesting. I'll apply and see what happens. And so got the offer, gave it a shot, and here we are today, nearly 15 years later. And um, what did you think about when you first, like how much dental exposure had you had when you decided to make that transitioning from veterinary nursing to hygiene? Or obviously, with our pets, we do everything. Yeah. Um, so there is dental aspects for um, the veterinary industry. Obviously, it's very different. Um, <laughs> but so, sometimes I still get bitten. So there, there are some parallels in there. Um, but I'd only had um, experience being a patient myself. Yeah. So it was, it was a whole new world. That's a huge jump, isn't it? Like a huge Absolutely. Jump. I hope I'm going to like this. And so did you get into it and like it pretty much or was it something that had to grow on you? I think um, I, I liked the, the health aspect, the science aspect. Um, so I think that carried me through yeah. more than anything else. Um, I also had a great bunch of people to go through with. Um, so that helped a lot as well. Um, and still friends with some of them today. Yeah, I same. I think um, I feel really sorry for people through COVID who didn't really get to interact with their classmates much because I'm still so great friends with the people that I trained with and they were such foundation friendships in my life. So, you know, I, it's so sad for those people that had more of an online experience than a face-to-face -face experience. Absolutely. I think it it makes the degree when you yeah. can be with people that are like-minded and talk about what's going on and all of those sorts of things. So you graduated your hygiene and then what kind of practice did you first go into? Um, so I've only worked in private practice. 
um, started in Newcastle and did a little bit in the Hunter Valley as well. Yeah. And then had the opportunity to head up to the Northern Territory and do a couple of years in Darwin. I did as well. <laughs> there we go. It's a law of its own. <laughs> it really is. It's the Wild West of Australia. Yeah, it really is. And then um, I know that you currently work in a paediatric practice. How far yes. into your career were you before you went to paediatrics? Um, so I've been there for about four years. Yeah. So I had, um, yeah, 10 or so years under my belt already. And I did find that um, in private that I gravitated more towards um, the kid appointments. Yeah. Like being able to have fun, talk about silly things. I found that um, more exciting. Obviously, I love cleaning off calculus. Don't get me wrong. Um, <laughs> but the the change in the day of seeing a kid and doing things a bit differently, I think um, I found that uh, really exciting. Well, I, I applaud you because um, I work specialist practice now too, but perio, and the thing I love about the most is there is no children there. <laughs> <laughs> and I avoid them like the plague. So <laughs> thank you, thank you for seeing them. Um, what does an average day in a paediatric practice look like? Oh, that's a difficult question to answer. Every yeah. day is completely different. Um, we have obviously a book, a day book that we run off. Um, it can change throughout the day multiple yeah. times. Um, <laughs> I can be in, like if we've got a four-room practice in one location and a three-room practice in another, I can be in all three or four rooms throughout the morning doing all different things. Um, so you've got to be really flexible. Yeah. And like as a dental hygienist, what is, what kind of scope of different things are you doing in there as your, as the appointments that you're doing in a pediatric practice? Yeah, sure. So, um, obviously a lot of oral hygiene. Yeah. A lot of active maintenance. Um, we do all radiography. Um, so with, um, pediatrics, we'll do, uh, bite wings, uh, periapicals, um, OPGs and, uh, CBCTs, um, cause we're looking for all sorts of different things. We'll see a lot of trauma as well. Yeah. Um, so we're, um, looking after our patients in regards to that, uh, lots of clinical photography, um, we're doing fissure sealants. Um, we're doing some uh, interceptive orthodontics, um, mouth guards. Um, the, the list, the list goes on and on. Yeah. And what? So you know what I found out very quickly when I got to specialist practice was is that sometimes people just refer them because they hate that patient and like they just want to send them along. So absolutely, I'm sure you get that. But then what is the range of different thing, like different kind of kids that are coming into a paediatric practice? Yeah, certainly. Um, so we have our, our anxious or even our dental phobic kids. Um, we have our special needs kids. Um, so medically compromised. Um, so not just uh, neurological but physiological yeah. uh, challenges for them. Um, we have um, 
kids that are on um, a whole host of medications that we need to look after. We have um, kids that have had transplants um, that have previously gone through um, chemotherapy, um, all sorts of kids. Um, And then sometimes we have just our fit, healthy patients that have seen us for something tricky and then they just want to stay. (laughs) (laughs) And do you end up seeing some kids as adults still, you know, who fall in that medically compromised or, um, you know, kids on the spectrum, special needs kids, do you find sometimes they stay into adulthood with you or do you kind of then move them along? We do have a handful of patients, um, but luckily here in Newcastle, we now do have a wonderful special needs dentist um, and we're starting to uh, look at patients that we can uh, happily move on um, to him. So he's, uh, yeah, he's been a big help recently um, in helping us to transition them from a paediatric to a more appropriate uh, adult special needs dentist. And so I imagine your day can be quite varied in the fact that you might have treatment planned, but it doesn't go ahead because the child won't cooperate or there's other issues going on. I imagine or it's, or it's 4.30 in the afternoon and they've just had enough. Yep. Yeah. So I imagine flexibility is a real key um, component of what you need in your job in that one and being able to pivot really easily. Absolutely. It's it's all about the delivery, I feel. Yeah. Um, so we have lots of silly names for regular everyday things. Um, obviously, we do things very differently as well. Um, we offer um, relative anesthesia in the rooms, um, as well as the option of general anesthesia in a private hospital. Um, so yes, if treatment doesn't quite go according to plan, then we do have other options up our sleeve. What do you think is the best thing about working in paediatric practice? It's for me, it's a being allowed to be silly all of the day. (laughs) Yeah. Saying silly things, um, being allowed to color in, um, yeah, all those sorts of things. And what do you think is the hardest thing about being in a paediatric practice? The hardest thing um, I feel is sometimes it takes a little bit longer than you'd like for patients to become comfortable with you. Yeah. Um, and that can be a bit of a struggle. Yeah. Um, but you've just got to keep wearing them down <laughs> until <laughs> they love you. Yeah. <laughs> and so do you think you would have – is so – for the listeners, uh, Tanya wrote a book, which is super exciting. Do you think you would have written that book if you hadn't gone into paediatric or was writing a kid's book something you'd always wanted to do or is it something that working in paediatric you thought this could help me with my job? I had a sort of dream in the back of my head that maybe one day I would write a book of some description. Yeah. Um, but definitely um, being in paediatric um, – I've noticed that there are heaps of wonderful books um, for children that are in that sort of preschool age. Um, there are so many out there, so many wonderfully illustrated um, kids' books about dental health, but there wasn't really a lot um, for those older kids. Yeah. And those kids that they get to that age when they sort of get a little bit of attitude 
and a little bit more independence and they feel that oral health isn't as important as other things um, and that's when the wheels start to fall off. The brushing happens less and less. The flossing tends to not happen at all and then issues start to happen. So and, I thought something yeah, yeah. that fills in that gap um, would be a good thing to hopefully have out in the in the wild. You're right. So many of the books are really aimed at that under five. Yes. And don't see much past that age group at all. Exactly. Um, and so tell me about how you take an idea of writing a book and then actually making that book happen. So what was your first step? I think it was putting some ideas down and seeing how they fit together. Yeah. I had a like a general sort of story idea um, and so I wrote down as much as I could and then I actually read it to my daughter um, and then she sort of gave me a couple of ideas oh, and then I went back and forth and got a couple of other people to look into it and see if they had any feedback to give me. Um, and then I thought, well, it doesn't sound too bad to me, um, so maybe other people will like it as well. Um, and then I'd thought, oh, surely nobody, like none of the publishing companies are going to pick this up. I'm probably going to have to self-publish. Um, and so I started sort of investigating that um, and I'd reached out to um, Kath that wrote mm. that wonderful book, yeah. um, The Tooth Fairy's Best Friend, which I have a copy of at my house. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> she had said, well, these were the sort of things that I did and to see if I could follow um, in her footsteps. And I thought, well, look, I'll give it a try and see if I can send it to a few publishing companies. Maybe I'll hear back. Maybe I won't. And that took forever. Like I, I sent out my draft and it was months and months and months and months. And I sort of resigned to the fact that, right, if it was going to be a thing, I'd have to do it myself. Yeah. Um, and then I think the next day it was, there was an email sitting in my account saying, um, we'd like to offer you a contract. <gasps> and I think I nearly fainted when I saw it. And so when you contacted those publishers, did you just find their emails off the internet or had Kath given you contacts? Like how did you actually even even get their emails to find who to send it to? I did just trawl through the internet <laughs> and looked for children's publishers who had online submissions. Yeah. And so, so some of the publishing houses on their website had already said that they were not taking any more submissions and to not bother sending anything. But there are a few that I could just put it into a submission form and cross my fingers. Yeah. And so the draft that you sent and then the book that's published, how different mm -hmm. are they from each other? Um, the writing is not too dissimilar. Yeah. Um, but obviously I, I cannot draw to save my life. <laughs> um, so 
all the illustrations are done um, through the publishing house with their oh, illustrators. Oh, it's going to be one of my questions. Like, did you come there with an illustrator or they had someone to do that for you? And then yeah. do you have the right to veto any illustrations? Absolutely. Yeah, great. Because sometimes yep. a non-dental person, what they draw and what we want to see can be quite different. <laughs> yes. And, yes, so I'd actually I'd sent them a few samples of um, brushing and flossing brochures but I'd made it clear that I didn't have any rights to any of those pictures and that they yeah. needed to come up with something similar but not to copyright it. So, And so you got that um, email saying we want to offer you a contract. Um, what's that like getting the contract? Did you have to go see a lawyer? Like is it really overwhelming? Like. I, I did, just in case. Um, so I've actually got a couple of friends who are in the industry, so that's very lucky, and they suggested um, someone in particular because obviously there's so many different types of law um, yeah. that you need to be um, specific in contracts. Um, and so, yes, a local um I can't think of the firm's name off the top of my head, um, but they were able to look through it for me. Um, and just picked a couple of little things that they suggested that I um, try and negotiate. Yeah. Um, and then said, look, everything looks fairly above board and standard. So if you're happy to go ahead, I would sign. Yeah. Awesome. And then from signing the contract to the book actually being published, how long did that take? Oh, at least a year and a half. Yeah. It was a, a longer process than I thought it was going to be, but I mean, obviously, these things take time yeah. as well. I, I just wanted it in my hand, but I needed to be patient. Yeah. So, how many times did it have to go back from the draft to some changes with the editor, back and forth? How many times did that have to happen? Uh, too many to count. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so there was there, there's a very long email chain. Yeah, and then. So you get your story finished and are they doing the illustrations at the same time or is the story at its final stage before you start talking with the illustrator? Uh, the draft was almost finished and then the illustrations started to be worked on. Yeah, Because um, then, then they've, they've also got to edit it to make sure yeah. that the, the words flow with the pictures as yeah. well. And then what's the next step after that? Um, so then it goes through its final edit. Yeah. Um, uh, which takes a while as well because, again, we've just got to make sure that everything flows the way that we want it to and it all sits nicely. Um, and then, again, you get another random email to say, congratulations, you're at publication day. Wow. Um, and then not long after that, um, they sent me uh, a certain amount of copies to have. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, the ball just started rolling. And so tell all our listeners the name of your book. So the name is Mouth Monster. And can you just give, for those, I've actually got a copy, everyone, and so I've got to read it, but what can you just give a little bit of an overview for the listeners of the a brief storyline? And it's like a small chapter book. It's really easy for that 8- to 10-year-old to read, but what do you just can even outline of the, the story and, and how you kind of, thought up the ideas and went along with it yeah absolutely so 
It's a, I guess you could call it a fantasy adventure almost, um, about a typical kid whose name is Owen. He doesn't really care much about brushing and flossing. He's more interested in reading books and playing video games and all of those sorts of good things. Now, he has an appointment at the dentist and he sees his general dentist and his superhero hygienist. And she tries to warn him that if he doesn't brush and doesn't floss, that things could go horribly wrong. And he finds out that that can happen. So he ends up being sucked into an alternate universe and he (laughs) has to fight his way back out again to get back to reality. And um, is your daughter pretty excited that you've got a published book? She, it's sitting in her bookshelf as we speak, yeah. no, I, and we've read it. We've read it multiple times. I can imagine that it was a very proud experience to get that first box and open it up. And, and absolutely, yeah. And so, where is your book being sold, and how's it being distributed? Yeah, so at the moment, um, it's available through Amazon um, as well as Booktopia, um, but you can also get it through. Um, Pegasus Publishing House, they they sell it on their website also. Um, They're currently working on the electronic version, Um, so that's not ready as yet, but it will be in the not-too-distant future as well. That's super exciting. And um, how do they, like, so what's the marketing plan from their side? Like how do they advertise the book and, and how does that work as well? Yeah, so they have a social media campaign. Um, and then there's also a bio and a link on their website uh, about me, about the book and how to get your hands on it. Yeah. And then what kind of things are you doing? Obviously the podcast tonight. Are you doing to kind of Fabulous. the book? And- this is my first exciting promotion bit, yes. <laughs> and what are the um, are you looking at as promotion yeah. as well? So you will see in the Dental Hygiene Bulletin in March there will be a little article about mm-hmm. Mouth Monster also. Um, hopefully the plan is for at the symposium in Sydney um, I will be there at the dental hygiene stand. Um, we're still working out the details of that, but hopefully I'll be able to have some copies to sell at that event as well. Um, and I've also been in talks with um, a couple of um, kids' radios, radio stations, yeah. um, so Kindling and Story Nori. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're interested in the book. Um, so we do it at home. We listen to Google Stories a lot. Um, and I would love for the book to be voice acted as oh, well. So I, I don't know if I don't know if it's going to be a thing, but we're in the works. So that's really exciting. Yeah. And do you want to write a sequel or is there a plan to write follow-up books? Like how do you feel? Because, you know, I actually didn't ask this. I asked how long it took from the publisher, but how long did it take from when you started the draft? Oh, the draft, um, probably six months Yeah, of doing a bit and then leaving it and then coming back to it with fresh eyes yeah. or sending it to someone else for them to look over. Um, I said, I, I 
I probably smashed out the the first sort of version pretty quickly because I it was stuck in my head and I had to get it out on paper. Um, but then finessing it took the the longest yeah. time. And so yeah, so do you want to do do you want to do something else like another book after it or you know what are your thoughts there? Um, a lot of people have asked that they want a sequel, um, especially some of my friends in um, special needs dentistry. They've said that they need something similar but more for the special needs population. Um, and so I don't know if I've got another one in me, um, but we'll just have to wait and see, I guess. It would be great to have a follow-up to perhaps, perhaps Owen or one of his friends um, having a similar adventure. Yeah, you could have a whole adventure like oral health series. There could be a whole series. Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> In all my spare time. You'll have to, uh, my, my child is way better on the computer than me. You'll have to get your child to like animate it or something. That'll be the next step. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. We could have Mouth Monster the TV series. Yeah, exactly. You never, the sky's the limit. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really exciting because I think it's something that people think about, but it's very overwhelming. And also like, you know, it's a huge achievement to take an idea and actually then implement it and make it happen. So I think that's, you know, massive in itself. But, you know, just knowing that you just took that chance or, you know, you just sent the emails and, and it paid off. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm i still shocked that it's, <laughs> that it's sitting here in front of me. Yeah, it's super exciting. Um, and do you stock it at the practice? Uh, we're in the works for that as well. Yeah. A um, little bit of logistics to sort out, but yeah. um, I, it, it will definitely be in the display cabinet in the not too distant future. Yeah, that's really exciting. <laughs> and I think that it's, it like you said, there's such a gap because so much of the stuff is, you know, you see Elmo related things going to the dentist or, you know, really small, like, or like Coco Melon, yeah. like, you know, like, Peppa really, Pig. Yeah. Those sorts of things. And while, the, while they're fantastic and. They are, yeah. and they're great for that age group, but there's an age group that's past that. Exactly. And they're the ones I feel that need that extra motivation. I mean, I'm sure we've had that patient that comes in. And they roll their eyes so many times you think they're going to fall out of their head and they're just not listening to anything that you say. Um, and, yeah, I was just really wanting to bring them back and motivate them because obviously good habits now are going to set them up for life. Yeah, 100%. And it's and like you said, it's just keeping that motivation going at those later years, which can, you know, I've got a 10-year-old. It can be really difficult, <laughs> really, really difficult at this age to keep them motivated. Absolutely. Because, yeah, they're just a difficult age. You probably could, you maybe get a fortnight skin and a fortnight section. That might be how I could get my son more interested. <laughs> okay. There's a thought. Yeah, yeah. Get myself on Roblox somehow. I don't know. You know, it's not Xbox related at the moment. I don't think he cares, but it's driving me insane. I know. That's how I, I need Xbox to start sending him messages for me. <laughs> I think I'd have more luck with him. And so um, when you, like how many books do they actually print off in their first kind of run? Um, so I get um, a 25 bundle yeah. um, as part of my contract. 
Um, and I think it's just sort of uh, to see what the demand is like. Yeah. Um, and to publicate from there. Yeah. And so they print more as they kind of figure out how they're going to demand it. And, and Correct. Yeah. yeah. I think that it's a statistics based um, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's always, always wondered how they like figure that out. Like, because yeah. it's, yeah. That's know. their department, not mine. <laughs> and how did you find it is dealing with a publishing like company? Are they, is it um, weird not getting to meet people and everything's via email? And where are they based? Are they yes. in Australia? Are they overseas? They're uh, an English based um, company. Uh, Pegasus. Uh, I'm not 100%. I think so the the Pegasus is the umbrella company and Nightingale Books is their um, child and sort of teen um, area for books. Um, And, yes, they're all based in the UK. Um, So there is a time difference, obviously. So I wouldn't get emails until the next morning. Um, and things like that. Obviously, again, there was uh, COVID and all sorts of things like that. So I wouldn't hear from people for months at a time sometimes. Um, But the contract had stated that that was normal and Mm -hmm. that sometimes you just have to wait. Um, And then all of a sudden I'd be assigned to one person and then I'd get an email from a a new person saying, the previous person that you've been dealing with is no longer with us and I will be looking after you. You know what it's like. Yeah. There, there's always issues. So, and I can again, imagine- I, I never thought that it would actually be real. So I just, just went along with it and kept going on and on. And all of a sudden we were at the next step and then we were at the next step and, and then it was here. So, and I can imagine they're juggling a lot of different projects at once. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so it's like a lot, yeah, so there's a big wait while they're doing, you know, 10 other, 20 other projects all at the same time. Yes, while still reading all the new submissions that are coming in and um, deciding whether they want to take them on or not. And So what bit of advice would you give to someone who is thinking, I want to write a book, um, what would be your your best tip for them? Just do it. <laughs> Give it a go. Um, the, th- the thing I find that I say the most as well is it's not what you know, it's who you know these yeah. days. Um, so I'm very lucky that I know a lot of wonderful people that are more than happy to help me out with all sorts of things. Um, so as I said, a lot of people at work um, read through the book. Um, friends in special needs gave me tips. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. No, Live good. your dream. Yeah. Do it. No, Don't I'm, regret it later. No, exactly, because I think, you know, what have you got to lose? Nothing. Yeah, exactly. And, like, sending out those submissions, I thought they can only say no. Yeah. And yeah. if I don't ask, I'll never know. Yeah. No, that's really, really exciting. No, I'm super excited for you. I think it's fantastic. I love seeing OHTs and dental hygienists doing different things and, and excelling. So, you know, I always find that super exciting, but I also think that, it's, um, you know, it's just really exciting to see someone say, I have an idea and I'm going to put it down and I'm going to make it, you know, a reality. I think that. I'm just going to run with it and see yeah. what happens. Yeah, I think that's really, really cool. You know, and now you can, 
add to your bio, published author. Exactly. I'm gonna have. I must have it on my badge at work. Dental yeah. hygienist and published author underneath. I yep. totally would. <laughs> I'll be rocking that everywhere. Don't worry. <laughs> my customs form back into Australia. Author. <laughs> author. Yep. Published author. <laughs> No, thank you very much for coming on tonight and telling us all a little about your journey. I'm oh, so that is my honour. Thank you. you. Um, for the listeners, we're going to put in the show note links, the Amazon link and the links for you to be able to access it as well. And we'll put some details on our socials as well. So congratulations. It's a, a really amazing achievement. And like I said, so excited when um, we get to see other dental hygienists doing stuff like this. So I'm super proud. Um that you've done it and I'm super excited to see this take off. Oh, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. So to our listeners, I'll have all of this in the notes and um, welcome to 2024. Um, Melissa will have an episode next week with a guest from America and then we'll reunite and be back together again. We're just having a little bit of trouble with um, time zones and holidays. So thanks everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Hey, thank you again so much for tuning into the Disrupting Dentistry podcast. We love to hear from you viewers and we love that you join us for our episodes. Please make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And leave us a review. We love reading reviews from all over the world. It's one of the things that actually makes all the hard work feel really worth it when we get to see which episodes you're enjoying or some feedback that you give. So leave us a review on Apple Podcast or write something on our Facebook or our Instagram page. We'd love to hear from you. And thanks so much for listening. Keep on disrupting.